listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It's a food day on the podcast, which is always super fun. It is an Aaron's (laughs) recipe card, and y'all are going to love this one. I hope you all have your comfort pants on because we are talking about comfort food today. (laughs) My pants literally say eating pants. Like down the leg. I Here, think during the pandemic, it. everyone converted to comfort pants. Uh, we may never go back to the non-elastic waist in this country. And why should we, honestly? <laughs> I know. I agree. All right, Erin, take it away before we keep talking about comfort pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that midwinter is always a good time to stop and t- really dig into comfort food. It is the time of year that is made for comfort food. And this is this time of history is made for comfort food. So <laughs> rather than try and have us all do the same thing, I thought it's better. Let's just open it up to the broad scope of what comfort food looks like. And let's talk about that. What makes something a comfort food? Is it just like fond emotional remembrances? Is that a key element of it? Is it the fact that it's, I don't know, especially decadent? What What do you think makes something a comfort food? Carbohydrates. I'm, carbohydrates? Okay. Okay. We're, once we do this, is this, do, are we able to then agree that yeah these are these are key components because that one fits my comfort food that i'm going to talk about carbohydrates yes it's got to be hot hot Uh yep i agree with that one okay yes yes that especially especially if it's a winter comfort food yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's probably not low fat let's just get that out there so Mm -hmm. hot fat carbs (laughs) Yes. <laughs> all the things you should not eat but yes. should also yes. there's your episode oh. title Sarah I was gonna say that. <laughs> everyone's gonna want to listen to this when I call it hot fat carbs right <laughs> fat uh, carbs. yeah and you know what at this point we've gotten through January so maybe we're doing a little bit of a reset after the excesses of December but now it's February and <laughs> I'm so glad again. <laughs> I'm so glad you just mentioned that because I have been so good all January. And then you're like, we're doing comfort food. And I was like, well, there goes the five pounds I lost <laughs> with sheer discipline. <laughs> but I needed this. I really did. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Comfort food, I think it's it's an indulgence. So not every day needs needs or perhaps should be, especially if we define our comfort food as hot fat carbs. Not every day should be comfort food day. It's an indulgence that you have, you know, a periodic thing. So, okay, you were very disciplined in January. Now you have a special day of comfort food. That's not going to set you back five pounds. It, it is not. It does like you're not it's you can't eat five pounds of food for one. I'm like that that is an enormous quantity. You don't have any idea. Rachel, it's in, like I've tried. It's not yeah. possible. Okay, I will <laughs> let you know tomorrow food. what the damage is. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> I, 
but even so, a lot of that's going to be water. And so once you give it another day, that's going to just pass right back out again, and it's going to be okay. So it's one day, it's comfort food, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Delicious. Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to talk about a recipe I have been making for more than 20 years. It is a beloved one. I keep it. I have it in the freezer almost all the time so that I can just pull it out any anytime I need that little special, special treat. It is red beans and rice. Mm-hmm. And I honestly... It's delicious. I'm not sure why, because when I when I was growing up in my elementary school years, my family lived in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that I I've like created since then. Honestly, it's been since then that I've created this I've placed so much emphasis on the fact that I had my elementary school years in New Orleans. And I think maybe that's because I'm actually just now processing this as I'm telling you guys this. <laughs> I think maybe it's because my family then proceeded to move so much after that. Like after we left New Orleans, that was in sixth grade. And then we had move after move after move for years in a row. And so then I started having that situation that even now today I have a hard time when people are like, where are you from? I oh, should yeah. totally at this point, I should just be rattling off. I'm from St. Louis. I have lived here now for 15 years. Why more than 15 years? Why do I not just rattle off? I'm from St. Louis. I don't know, but because I think it's because all of that early time, I was like, I don't know where I'm from. I'm not really <laughs> from anywhere. <laughs> and then it stuck with me. But the New Orleans is sort of the early part of my childhood memories that I can remember distinctly. I don't really, I have a few things that I can remember from, from before New Orleans when I was four years old and younger. But New Orleans, I have a clear picture of. My mom did not make red beans and rice. That was not part of my childhood. And yet I have like latched onto it as like, this is one of my great comfort foods. I'm from New Orleans. I love it. I didn't grow up eating this stuff. This is not Tastes like stability. Oh my gosh. But it is, I guess I sort of created this bit of history for myself out of wishfulness, maybe. Fire to reclaim my my childhood and and make it even more firm as to what I grew up with, perhaps. But anyway, red beans and rice. Mm. So, so what's your recipe? It is from my beloved Joy of Cooking. Ooh, of a classic. It's, it is a classic. And at some point, I need to find a way that I can get somebody to like take this book that is completely falling out. It's one of the ones that has like a binding. It's a hardback and it's got a binding, but the binding is just completely, it's all the papers are just loose in it. And I have to just keep track of where they belong in this book. (laughs) I need to find a way to make it like rebound or put into a spiral notebook or something. Or find a new copy on eBay. That'll work too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. It's because it's it's got all of, you know, all of my notes on it. This is my my go to recipe book of like, if I want to know how to cook something, just the basics. This Could Dwayne digitize it for you? Oh, 
Maybe. Fun Maybe. fact, my mom has that exact same book in her kitchen drawer. I could tell you exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. I don't. But. Uh, many people have. Uh, like through the years, there's been many editions of Joy of Cooking. It is one of the one of the truly great cookbooks out there for people that are wanting to just know how to cook basics. So red beans and rice. I'm sure that through the years I've actually like read another recipe and been like, ooh, that sounds nice. I'll add that to this this basic copy. But this is where I store my recipe is is in the joy of cooking. And I made it while I lived in Japan because I could get all the ingredients there. So again, it was one that uh, it's it's actually pretty easy to make anywhere. Uh, it doesn't need specialty ingredients. I personally love making it with kidney beans as my red beans. I think the more traditional one are going to be the small red beans, but I think kidney beans are prettier and mm-hmm. I like, uh, they're just a little bigger, meatier. So anyway, I like to use kidney beans. I've tried it with the red beans too. You have to you have to plan ahead with it because you're making it from dry beans and ideally you're going to soak them overnight the night before so that they start plumping up and then the next day you get them going on a pot so you drain them and then you get going I also like to plan this often after there's been like a Thanksgiving year where we ended up having a ham or Easter, Mm. another one, because I like to use the ham bone. Mm. Um, So I will often use that for red beans and rice. So if you have a ham bone, that's always a great thing to include. Pop that in there. But then it uses the classic Cajun Trinity, which is celery, carrots, uh, sorry, celery, onions, and green bell peppers, not Mm -hmm. carrots. So the traditional French trinity of vegetables that sort of forms the base for all sorts of stuff in French cooking. Your aromatics. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to be the onions, carrots, and celery. Uh, So in Cajun cooking, you swap out the carrots for green bell peppers, and it does. It forms a very distinctive. Green peppers have that sort of distinctive taste to them, mm-hmm. which is another another reason why this is fascinating. That I latched onto this is like this is going to be the cooking of my childhood because I hated green peppers as a child. <laughs> like hated them so hard, cooked or raw, either one. I, they were just the worst. And yet so here I've decided that yeah, this is the cooking the of crucial my childhood. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> to my identity. <laughs> so you put in a whole bunch of chopped vegetables, and then you also add lots of garlic, mm. bay leaves, thyme, oregano, lots of ground pepper, and some red pepper. And then you just let it cook for a long time. It's just one that you leave simmering on the stove until the beans are finally soft. Now, this is one. This one is not in the in the in the joy of cooking. This I know I read from another recipe and thought it sounded like a good idea. So typically, red beans and rice, like whenever I've seen it on like online recipes and stuff and seen pictures of it, 
got the beans and they're all very clear. And then there's like the sauce and it soaks into the rice when you serve it. But I, I like a saucier red beans and rice. And so at some point I read a trick and I thought, oh, that sounds great. And the trick is this. Once the beans are cooked, you take a, a potato masher and you mash some of the beans so uh-huh. that they then like form a thicker sauce with the liquid. Mm. And so it's not as juicy with distinct beans and then a juicy sauce. Instead, it gets to be a thicker, creamier sauce. Don't, mm-hmm. don't crush all the beans because you want the pretty beans in there. But it makes for a thicker, creamier sauce. It does make it less visually appealing. So I'm not going to be the one having my recipe on the cover of this podcast if you're if you're looking at it because <laughs> it, it's delicious, but it is not a beautiful comfort food. So we'll go with one of the rest of you as as our cover shot for for this episode. Um, <laughs> But then the final thing that you need to do is some sausage. So so slice up some sausage. You could totally make this vegetarian if you need to. Leave out the ham and don't put in the sausage. But for for true comfort food, you want to add in the sausage. And so it could be just plain old kielbasa or, or some sort of neutral bratwurst. Or you can go with like Cajun and dewy sausage of some sort and slice that up in there. So delicious. Freeze it in a Ziploc bag in individual portions or family size portions. It freezes beautifully, reheats without any trouble at all. Serve it over rice. And honestly, you can freeze rice too. And so if you're going to make up a batch of rice and you are a single person, might as well make up a whole batch and then freeze up rice because rice also reheats well if you if you need to. This is anathema to all of to all of our Asian listeners, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> my mouth um, is pursed right now. <laughs> like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, I'm not Asian, so but <laughs> there are times when you want to have fresh rice, without a doubt. But to put red beans and to put the red beans on top of it, the rice does not need to be freshly made. It needs to be heated up, yes. But it does. There's no magic about it being freshly made. So if you want, you can actually freeze the rice and make it even that much easier for you when you come home and you're like, "Oh, it's an awful day." Just pull it out of the freezer and you're ready to eat a delicious supper really quickly. Is there a particular type of rice that you prefer? Does it matter? Is this like Honestly, a standard? With all kinds of rice. Well, not all kinds, but yeah, long grain rice, short grain rice, brown rice. I have not had it with wild rice, which isn't even rice. But yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's grass. It's a different, it's a different plant. But yeah, the, the rice itself, all, all of those are delicious. Like cool. when I lived in Japan, I was using J- Japanese rice tends to be fairly short grain rice. Uh, mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. tends to be fairly sticky. And it was delicious with that. And I really also had it with like a jasmine rice or a basmati rice. And that is mm-hmm. a long grain rice. And it tends to be very fluffy and it much more individual grains. Also delicious. So and, and indeed, the brown rice also fantastic. So so the rice itself is really just the thing that allows it. It really amps up the carb factor for our recipe. <laughs> key, key component of the comfort food. And it uh, it 
it balances out the flavor of what you're eating because the red beans is fairly intensely flavored. And so the rice helps helps it not be, it would be too much to try and eat this as like a soup or something. It's, that's not a good, it's, it's too, too powerful for that. So the emphasis is really on the beans portion of this. It is. It is. Red beans and rice. It's a whole medley though. Like it's, the beans, they take on a, I don't know. I'm so hungry right now. It's, it's great. It's totally worth it. I have through the years I've tried, like, I'm like, why couldn't this be a delicious, like a bean dip, red beans and rice bean dip? It doesn't work. It's too mm. powerful. It needs the rice. Like, it, like, and like to have rice mixed into the bean dip is weird. Um, <laughs> um, some, some things you can do that. Uh, I've been able to convert certain things to be a delicious dip, but red beans and rice needs to, it's, it's its own thing. Standalone. It's my comfort food. Mm. Make it it for 20 years and I'll make it for another 20 and be you happy. Just tell people if you're from New Orleans because that's who you are. I know. Yes. I, I should. Sounds delicious. I should. You've got yeah. Mirapla coursing through your veins. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. I hear you. I love it when people ask, where are you from? And you're like, like you mean, where was I born? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where do I live now? I mean, this uh, you're going to have to be more specific here. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna tell you where I'm from. I'm from Flavortown. And here's Flavortown. I'm from Flavortown. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about ready to tell you why. Uh huh. Let's hear so it. I was going to present a recipe today for beef stroganoff which is just warm and delicious and like i can feel it warming in my belly right now and in fact we're making it later this week which makes me excited but here's the kicker i was in the car with my husband uh earlier this afternoon and we got to talking about like falafel and meatballs and then ultimately like for a completely unrelated reason to this podcast, we landed on the topic of meatloaf. Oh, uh, yes. And one of the things that we talked about was it's not for everybody. Like a lot of people are are dissidents of meatloaf. And personally, right. I think it's you are right. And I don't know what it is strange to me, but you're right. I think it's the wow. name. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. it, what it's called, honestly. Because <laughs> let me tell you what: if you ate my, if you are anti-meatloaf and you ate my meatloaf, you would not be, you would be unabashedly pro-meatloaf at after this point. Mm-hmm. But meatloaf is highly subjective. I don't know any mm-hmm. two women who make the same meatloaf recipe, and I've stopped making it as much lately i used to make it every couple of weeks or so until my children confessed to me that they really liked grandma's meatloaf better than mine oh oh my i was like that's okay you're a lot i mean Uh she's my mom it's fine i'm a big girl i can handle it but i won't make it for a while because Uh even though i learned to make meatloaf from this woman i make it differently than she does and so Mm -hmm. no two meatloaf recipes are the same and maybe you had one that was kind of nasty and it made you, you know, prejudiced against the whole category. But no, it's it's a good food. Yeah. And so, very 
actually hot fat carbs. Definitely. Hot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. I, I will I will give you the rundown of what goes into my meatloaf. I think mine mine is basically just like a giant Italian meatball that's like formed into meatloaf form. So we I take ground beef. Fat content isn't usually that important. I try to do like 80-20 or higher, le- like less fat content than that. I use Italian breadcrumbs, mm. so they're already seasoned. You have to, you don't have to worry about adding extra herbs and spices necessarily, although you can. I probably will put some salt and black pepper in there, and then a couple of eggs and maybe a splash of milk. And you just mix it up until it like it forms together because you're really not going to get any. And I, I've tried to do it without breadcrumbs, but it just it will not work. It will not stick together. No. It needs that binder of breadcrumbs. So you tell yourself, okay, it's comfort food, hot fat carbs. I'm gonna, I'm doing it. I'm going all in. <laughs> um, sometimes I also add like a like a cream soup of like a condensed can of creamed soup of some kind Mm. onions celery i think that's one of the other beautiful things about meatloaf too is like it's completely and utterly customizable Mm -hmm. and once you get a product that you can shape into a loaf and bake like it's it's your own recipe like you could probably use ground pork or ground turkey or ground veal or you know some combination of those I know some people put ketchup on their meatloaf. I I, I do ketchup. I'm not doing that. But I put ketchup in my meatloaf. Yes, really. I grew up doing that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Ketchup in the meatloaf. Yep. So uh, there's that. I know that like people may put like barbecue sauce in there. It's a little less Italian. I don't know. I like a more American. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how to differentiate between the two. But like, there are a lot of different ways that you can make it. So. After you've shaped it and you've already presumably preheated your oven to anywhere between 350 and 400 degrees, you bake that sucker for 45 minutes or whatever, maybe an hour, until it comes to 160 degrees right through the middle because you don't want to get trichinosis. And then you take it out, it's all like brown and caramelized and like greasy and you serve it up. With mashed potatoes, of course, maybe some peas if you want to f- eat some Ooh. kind of vegetable nutrition in your in your supper. And you are good to go, fam. Like, and then here's the other kicker too is if you perfect leftovers. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Le- you ever eat a meatloaf sandwich, people? It is mm. the best. Like meatloaf leftover meatloaf sandwiches are the bomb. With some Swiss cheese. With some I don't go that route, but if you want to do that, <laughs> that's fine. Cheese on everything, man. <laughs> like a little, little, like thin layer of mayonnaise on my Wonder Bread. Smash some meatloaf on there. Put your top bread on. You're good to go. And <laughs> every time you make meatloaf, you are sort of paying tribute to the economical housewives who have come before you because, you know, this is a dish that was invented to make meat stretch further that, you know, you have, you get one pound of, of beef and you've got to feed eight people. And well, let's take yesterday's 
bread and you know turn it into breadcrumbs mix it in and suddenly you've got double the you know mass of a meat product and everyone's happy you know so it's it's a wonderful way to stretch meat a little bit further and get just that wonderful meaty flavor uh go all the way around the table yeah so i'm just gonna chime in as i often do talking about cooking for one Meatloaf is is totally doable cooking for one and also freezes well. And so you just make a little individual, make up your whole batch, but then just divvy it up into portions. You don't necessarily have to commit yourself to eating the entire, you know, two pound loaf at Mm. once. (laughs) Just make it all up and then reform it. Put it into like little sandwich baggy things so that it can freeze you can, nicely. You Pop can bake them back them in a month in the freezer, right? and then yeah, you can just make them back up individually. You don't even need to freeze. You don't need to cook them. Oh, you can okay. Back okay. in the freezer raw, yeah. And, then and cook them. Once you are ready, you can thaw them first and then pop it in the oven, or just wait a little longer while it thaws in the oven. Oh, I love that. An individual mini meatloaf. And then you get both ends because the ends are the best part. (laughs) It actually ends up being much more like a very large meatball, but that is satisfying. (laughs) My reaction (laughs) all the way around. (laughs) When I was growing up, we we would put, well, when I would cook it, honey or molasses because my grandpa used to put molasses in his spaghetti and that was like a mind-blowing thing that makes spaghetti amazing really yes molasses and spaghetti so i would put some sort of sweetener in meatloaf and ketchup i would always put ketchup in my meatloaf meatloaf hasn't been a thing for me for a long time because it's a whole list of things that i i mean breadcrumbs are like a no-go but as you were talking about this i started thinking duh i have almond flour and oh, I can yeah. do eggs. So now I'm really curious about experimenting with my own meatloaf because this mm-hmm. is a curious new thing that I have I never even considered making a meatloaf. Mm-hmm. And now I want to. Yes. Because hmm. I'm pretty sure I can. Try I don't I can't do ketchup, but yeah. Can Ooh. you eat rice? No. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I can eat peas though. I'll I'll have peas with my meatloaf. There you go. <laughs> and sweet potatoes. There you go. Oh Ooh, man, I gotta do that now. I'm so hungry. Report back. Yes. Yeah. Well, Sarah, tell us what what you do for comfort food. <laughs> yeah. You do have you do have different restrictions, and so you have to be creative. Uh, what do you do? So. Comfort food isn't really a thing for me anymore. And I don't want to be like the Debbie Downer of this entire episode. Wow. <laughs> um, so pre, pre-diagnosis, uh, I would have to say that pizza was my comfort food. Um, because we wouldn't have it that often. And even growing up, I think it was my comfort food because we would get it occasionally. And it was always the thing that I loved. Um, when we first moved to St. Louis, there was... Oh, and now I'm, I'm not going to remember the name, but there was a, a pizza place that you would go buy the pizza uncooked and then you'd bring it home and throw it in Papa your Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's. Oh, I love oh. that. And we, we lived within walking distance of one. So when we really needed a comfort dinner, we would order this extra large Papa Murphy's and walk over and then literally walk home with this like 28 inch pizza. <laughs> 
<laughs> across across a really busy street and people are like what are you doing with this <laughs> but it was oh but like pizza and and pizza is like the one thing that i seriously miss being able to eat and there's no substitution don't try to tell me to make carrot sauce because i won't no. you just you can't you can't substitute for pizza yep. so i think pizza is like my comfort food that counts for hot fat carbs too <laughs> uh the pan pizza from pizza hut probably mm. my number one mm. favorite of like anything yeah. so where it just sort of deep fries while it's in oh, the pan. just mm. so good yeah. so so now with my different relationship with food i've actually had to i've struggled with this i guess i don't know if struggle is the right word contended with it uh for a while because food because food is such a, a comforting thing i mean we're doing an entire episode on comfort food <laughs> because when we, when we feel like we need a little like hug in our bellies we eat something that we love and that doesn't really work for me because i have a very strict set of things that i can eat there isn't really this separate category of these are foods that i only eat when i need comfort because most of them, I, I mean, carbs are just not really a thing. And it took me a long time to kind of deal with that. So, I mean, sweet potatoes are kind of one of those things, but I eat them regularly anyway, so they're not really special. Yeah. Um, but the one thing, and I eat, it, I mean, this is an everyday thing, and it's not a carb, so it probably doesn't fit a lot of the boxes that we've already talked about. But coffee is mm. my comfort food. <laughs> Even though I drink it every day, like if I need a mental pick me up, I go AeroPress, my favorite cup of coffee or whatever we tend to have. And it has become what calms me down and what makes me feel happy. It's really simple and not all that exciting, but that is kind of what my life has come to. <laughs> Question for you Do you drink it black? Yes and no. Okay. It depends what it is. I put almond milk in it usually. Mm. Okay. So there you go. You got a, I mean, there's a little sugar in almond milk and some fat. So we still have our hot fat carbs. <laughs> it is still hot. Although earlier I had a cold brew because during the summer, <laughs> cold brews are my comfort food. <laughs> Which is true, though. I mean, I, when I go to the store, like if I want a treat, I'll buy, uh -huh. you know, a $3 little cold brew because that is probably the only thing in the store that's like a quote unquote special thing and then uh -huh. I save it in the fridge for a day when I'm like oh I'm gonna drink my cold brew now because I want something special oh, yeah I so love cold I have, brew it makes my hair stand on end though so yeah Trader <laughs> Joe's has these little baby nitro nitro brewed cold brews so they're just they're just so good and so I, I save those when I need like a little extra special mm -hmm. pick me up Mm -hmm. it's, it's a special kind of coffee that I don't actually drink every day. <laughs> My well, husband is a self-proclaimed coffee snob. Yes. And like being with him for 10 plus years, I've learned that it's not just like Folgers crystals in a drip coffee machine. And no. the only thing that you get to pick between is cream sugar or both. Like, no. Coffee is an adventure. <laughs> and I don't think people like, I don't, I don't think that like, people give it enough credit necessarily mm -mm. i mean we have we have an aero press we have a pour over we have a french press we have a drip coffee maker i think that's everything we have aero press is my favorite way especially if i need one cup it's super fast you just boil your water put your grounds in the little container thingy and pour the water over it and smush it down and you have coffee like in five minutes it's amazing 
and it's the best way to test any coffee. Like if you have a new one and you really want to know what the flavor profile is, you just AeroPress it because it gives you like the cleanest, most pure taste of the coffee and it tastes totally different than if you were to pour over. Ethiopian is my favorite single (laughs) origin. (laughs) By like hands down, I also love uh, Jamaican Blue Mountain. It's really expensive, but it's so good. We have very similar coffee taste, it turns out. Yes, we do. Um, I like I like the really the rich ones that kind of have the chocolatey the chocolatey flavors. Sometimes I'll do the acidic ones, but they're not my they're not my really my favorite. I don't really like dark roasts. I like I like the medium lighter roasts that give you all of those the rich chocolatey notes instead of the and the, more caffeine. Yes, and more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Although I realized the other day when I was sick, so I I had COVID, which is why my voice is still really weird. But my my heart rate was. This then this might not don't take this as medical advice. <laughs> My heart rate was was like not where it should be because I was sick and I was like anxious. And I didn't really want coffee, but I I went and made myself a cup and I started drinking it and my heart rate calmed down. That might not be very healthy, but it worked. <laughs> no criticism here. <laughs> do what you gotta do, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so coffee is I may be a little bit too attached to it because it's the only thing I have, but I give it a, a nice warm hug every day. <laughs> oh, and sorry, I forgot about this part. The mug plays such a part in this too. And maybe this is what makes it even more of a comfort thing. I have a large selection of mugs on purpose. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's a different mug for every different feel. And I have my favorite mug that's like the really heavy diner one that just is like, it just hugs my hand and it's a wonderful thing. Or you have the really gigantic mug for when you need a big cup. Or you have the little the little mug that your friend gave you so you're thinking about your friend while you're drinking your coffee. Like there's 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 a mug for every every situation. I'm gonna get you and a that's giant part of the experience. Ceramic mixing bowl uh-huh. with a handle. And be like, here's your <laughs> coffee cup. <laughs> My husband did down. that. He got himself one of those like 1970s era soup mugs with the handle on the side. And he uses that for a coffee cup and he gets disgruntled with me when after I put the dishes away, I put it in with cereal bowls. He that's says, funny. That is a mug. <laughs> I had a bit of a challenge with the comfort food thing because I share a house with a lot of small people. (laughs) And so like I often do, you know, if I'm going to make a big pot of something, I wanted to to ask them, you know, what are your comfort foods? And I found out that comfort foods are highly, highly subjective Mm -hmm. because we ended up with a list of very different comfort foods. So, for example, my one of my daughters, it's lasagna. Another of my daughters hates pasta. For my son, it's a hamburger beef stew. Uh, <laughs> another of my children will not eat potatoes. So, <laughs> but, you know, we decided to roll with it and just make it into a big adventure. And so we have down on our whiteboard right now a list of comfort foods for everybody in the family. And we decided we would have a comfort food cooking masterclass where each child got to learn to make their own favorite comfort food. I love this. 
so that when they, you know, when they leave the home, and for some of them, it's not too far in the future, they can go out equipped with at least how to make the food that will make them feel comforted. So I've been cooking literally all day, <laughs> except for when I was running to the store to get, <laughs> to get the, the ingredients we needed for this. So we did lasagna with the oven ready noodles because I'm not a complete glutton for punishment. Mm-hmm. We did the hamburger beef stew, which is one that my mother always makes for my son when he goes to visit grandma. This is a super simple, it's just ground beef, potatoes, carrots, and like seasoned salt. You know, <laughs> let cook. It works. But he learned how to, I didn't realize he didn't, he, he didn't know how to like peel potatoes and, and chop carrots and such. So oh, now he does. Woohoo! Awesome. Good for you, mom. At least one of them had to remember that dessert counts as comfort foods. So child number three requested no-bake cookies. Mm-hmm. And oh. so we made no-bake cookies together. And child number four, on the one hand, got really simple. She wanted she wanted three things. So that's complicated. But those three things were macaroni and cheese out of the yeah. box. Mm-hmm. Graham crackers with chocolate frosting. <laughs> And hot cocoa. <laughs> we are twin flames. Yes, we really are. So there, yeah. and I, I had a, I had a little taste of everybody's comfort food, so I can vouch for the fact that it is indeed comforting, hot, fat carbs happening. For me, though, yeah, the challenge. The challenge was: you said comfort foods, and my thought was, well, that's easy. Takeout. Oh, and I thought, oh wait. Yeah. 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 Like, I yeah. mean, my, my comfort foods are Chinese takeout, Thai takeout, sushi takeout, pretty much in that order. Yeah. Bad Thai. Yeah. My fallback comfort food is actually a chicken pot pie that I get from my favorite pie maker. Right. That I don't make, and I just keep it in my freezer ready to pull out on those nights. But yeah, that is a different category. You're right. So I had to I had to sort of go past that and think, okay, of the foods that I make for myself, what are the most comforting? Okay. And everything involves rice in some way. Hmm. Let me explain. Yes. <laughs> when I was a kid, when Aaron, about the time you were in New Orleans, I was in Papua New Guinea. Ah. And there were not a whole lot of American foods available to us there. So, like, there was no McDonald's in the entire country back in the 80s. There were two choices for if we wanted to go out to eat. If we wanted sort of a fast food, we could go to Big Wooster and get a whole roast chicken and, like, uh, steak fries. Mm. Ooh, yeah, or, good. for something a little bit, the other option was the Captain's Table, which was a Chinese restaurant. Over in the Pacific, it's a whole lot, you're, you're much more likely to have you know, Chinese food than you know, American food because of the, just how much closer it is. So those were, those were our two eating out options. The home options were, my mom tried. Oh my goodness, she tried. <laughs> <laughs> but I described to my children one dish in particular that was my least favorite of our Papua New Guinea dishes. And we had it probably once a week, greens and tin fish. So imagine fill in the blank greens that you cook, you know, um, I think there was some kale at some point or like mustard, turnip, whatever greens I had cooked with bone in mackerel. 
serve to small children. Mm. Mm. So I ate a lot of rice during those years. (laughs) (laughs) And white rice to this day is just an instant comfort food for me. I, I can't eat it all the time because it's just not as easily digestible as say raw kale um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but boy i do love it very much so i figured any comfort food dish that i make at home has to probably include white rice and then i remembered back my one of my first jobs was as sort of a idiot apprentice and maid of all trade all work for my neighbor who was a Thai lady who ran a food truck in the summers that would go around to various, you know, fairs and carnivals and stuff. And so a lot of my basic cooking, I picked up just from looking over Anosha's shoulders. And so when I got married, (laughs) when I got married, I could make very few things. Like we're talking tuna fish and macaroni and cheese here. I was not a very good cook, (laughs) but I could do at least half a dozen different moderately authentic Thai dishes. <laughs> so, so that's that's a kind of, of cooking and eating that for me goes back a long ways and is very comforting. Now, the dish that I made today was not one that uh, I learned in the food truck, but it was one that I remember having on many date nights with my husband back before restaurants stopped being a thing for us and back before he like left. Um, oh. <laughs> so what I made today. Back before he deployed. Lest deployed. new listener. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> my husband is deployed. I tell the kids. <laughs> A ship ate my husband, and I really yeah. hope that it will spit him out one of these days. <laughs> this dish is, is full of good memories for me. Lots of comfort. It is a peanut chicken curry over rice. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can call a curry dish ooey gooey, this one is it. Mm. So the recipe that I have modified for this purpose is from... Foodformyfamily.com, easy Thai peanut chicken curry. And it is super good. Of course, I modify it. I like mm-hmm. trip. I add vegetables for one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the way you do you do this is you start, uh, this recipe calls for coconut oil, but I've never bought coconut oil in my life. So really, um, really sorry. Wow. You can also use vegetable oil or an oil of your choice. So you're going to get your pan really hot. With the oil in it, add your chunks of chicken, brown the chicken. At this point, add your, you're going to have red curry paste and put in about uh, four tablespoons. I find half of a four ounce container is about right so that you can get one four ounce container and make two batches of this stuff. Saute the chicken for an additional five minutes or so and about halfway through, add your vegetables, which in my case is long green beans. Mm. and thin sliced red bell pepper. Mm. Now, question, when you say long green beans, are you like shopping at an Asian market? So these no, are no, like no, 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 no. long yard long beans? No, no just, these are just the regular kind. You just snap the ends off, but, gotcha. but don't like snap don't them into them tiny mm-hmm. little pieces. Okay, I'm with you. They're just easier to eat with chopsticks if you leave them uh, long. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So you're sauteing everything all together at the end of that five minutes. Then you add the rest of your ingredients. So get ready for this. One can of coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Six tablespoons creamy peanut butter. Oh, nice. <laughs> Two tablespoons brown sugar. Yes. <laughs> <Yep>. Two tables. <laughs> Two tablespoons either fish sauce or soy sauce, or in my case, two tablespoons of each. (laughs) Decadent. (laughs) Then red chili paste. I use sambal olek to taste. For me, that was a heaping tablespoon, and this really isn't that spicy, so I think I could probably add a little bit more. And then half a cup of water. I usually use the water to sort of rinse out the coconut milk can. Then stir it all up, simmer together for 10 minutes, Probably not any longer because you really don't want to lose the aromatics from the curry and the peanut butter. And then serve over rice. And it's like it's like eating if they could make a hot ice cream. <laughs> it's it's the emotional equivalent of yeah. eating warm ice cream for supper. And I right there. Hot yep. And it's so it's so easy to do. Like I can't believe I I used to order this dish out at restaurants, and I can't believe how long it took me to actually Google and say, "Oh my goodness, those recipe that recipe is easy, and most of those ingredients I already have in my kitchen." So yeah, yeah if you need some comfort, I know a lot of us are missing our restaurant food, and takeout is great, but sometimes you want to make a restaurant quality dish at home, and this one is definitely within the realm of possibility. So I want to apologize to our listeners. If you have heard chewing noises at all during this podcast <laughs> it is because I brought a plate upstairs with me. And I'm really having trouble keeping my hands off of it while we record. So judgment free. Apologies. <laughs> you know, for, you. for those who are living in places where maybe you haven't eaten much in the way of Thai food before in your life, I am impressed these days with just regular old grocery stores that actually will carry like a Thai curry paste. If you live in a place where you have access to an international grocery store, you get more varieties you can pick from them. Then I often find that they come in a little can instead of in a jar. But even at just an ordinary grocery store, this is, you would be able to attain these ingredients in most places, I'm guessing, just because I can see them all over the place here in the Midwest. So if you haven't tried it before, it would be worth trying. And you you should be able to get lay your hands on those ingredients fairly easily these and days. And this, this is a great entry-level dish for someone who's yeah. interested in trying a curry because you've got that peanut butter, which sort of let's be honest, gives it an American appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. And you can leave the spice out altogether. I mean, you've got that little curry flavor, but there's no spice in the curry itself. And any you know chili pepper you add to it, that's all on you. You can do it to taste. So if you just want something that tastes warm and peanut buttery, but mm-hmm. savory, and mm-hmm. it, it just hits the spot. Mm. Yeah, I think I've only had curry once in my life and I did not like it, but I think it was because it was so spicy. Oh, yeah. I could not handle Definitely it. Levels. And so, yeah, if you do find you're like you're inspired to go to the international grocery store, then there it probably will be a spicier curry paste. All the ones I've come across 
you might you might have a little bit more touch and go on that one if you're not yeah. confident on your on your spicy levels. But <laughs> do not try to get uh, coconut milk or curry paste at Aldi or another discount grocery store. You will need to like at least go to in my case it's like food line you know <laughs> but normal grocery stores do do have these things anyway i am i am fat and happy right now <laughs> wow. sounds delicious sounds amazing and it is one that i'm always i always forget how quickly you can mix up curry pretty much as quickly as you can cook the rice yeah. which is ridiculous <laughs> or start the rice Start the rice before you start the curry, and uh -huh. about the time you finish the curry, the rice will be popping. I only ever cook rice with a rice cooker because I don't trust myself. I like good rice, and it's just easier to let the machine do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, ladies in the lounge, I would love to hear what some of your favorite comfort food recipes are. And this is the time of year when I'm betting there's a number of us who are like, Man, I'm bored of all of my usual repertoire. I've exhausted it. I need something new. So share those recipes and inspire us all to, I don't know, be really diligent and virtuous during the week so that we can splash out on the weekend with our <laughs> recipes. <laughs> What are your what are your hot pack carb recipes that you wanna you wanna offer up to us all? Let's hear them. Yes, share those recipes with us in our Facebook group. Find us on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. I'm really hungry right now, mm -hmm. guys. There's so much good food. I need to go make dinner. <laughs> I'm really full right now, so <laughs> I've just been drinking coffee this whole time. <laughs> Man. Find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm about to go smash some graham crackers with chocolate frosting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm Lyon. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.